So we are today really at a part two for a message. Um, we talked about uh, the first part of what we're going to really dive into um, two weeks ago, which would have been um, at the very end of May. So I'm going to do my best to catch us up just a little bit, but because I don't want to just reteach everything that we taught two weeks ago, I'm going to go through it quickly so that we can get caught up because this is kind of a part two message and I want to make sure that we're all on board. So our main text for today is going to be out of the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. Now, um, depending on what your preference is, if you want to open up a Bible, maybe you brought one, maybe you didn't. If you didn't, we have some extra Bibles in some of these seats that we'd encourage you to use. And if you don't own a Bible or you don't like the one you do own, please take that one home as our gift to you today. Um, the scriptures that we're going to look at today are also going to be on the screen um, just to make it a little easier to follow along. And it helps for me to point out a few things as well. So let me tell you what's going on in the book of Hebrews. When you're reading the Bible, because really the Bible is one book, it's one great narrative and story, um, but made up of many other um, stories and narratives and books written by different authors um, over the span of nearly 2,000 years. Um, but as you read through the Bible, you see it's one beautiful story. However, when you're reading an individual book or letter, it helps to know who's writing it, why they're writing it, um, and to get some of that information just so you understand it a little better. And let me tell you um, about the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is written to a church that is drifting away. A church that's getting a little bit older, maybe not necessarily in age, although that could be true, um, but they've been around for a little while. And what they used to be really passionate about, something that used to really fire them up, now they're just kind of kind of getting lukewarm. They're just kind of drifting along. Um, if, if you think of it in terms of a race, which we'll see here in just a minute, um, they were focused on a goal. They were focused on the finish line. They were running with all their might. And then slowly they're slowing down. And they begin to drift off course a little bit. Um, and we all understand how this is, that life takes over. Distractions come. Um, Monday morning comes and you have to go back to work. You go home and your kids are a nightmare and they won't take a nap for you on Sunday afternoons. And, and so you start to forget some of the things that maybe God was doing in your mind and in your heart or whatever the reason may be, you start to drift. There was a time when you first met Christ and, and He saved you and you first started to learn about how much He loved you and it fired you up and then over time, you slowly start settling in and compromising. The, the book of Hebrews is written to a church that's struggling with that. They're starting to compromise a little bit. They're starting to drift away. They're not quite as excited and passionate about the things that God has called them to be and do as they once were. And so the writer of Hebrews is trying to spark in them um, kind of a renewal for them to get back on track and refocused. Um, two weeks ago, we kind of did a survey of several um, verses throughout the book of Hebrews to kind of get that picture. We're not going to do that today, um, but we're going to pick it up in Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, which are the verses 1 and 2 are the exact same verses we read two weeks ago, but we're going to look at them in kind of a part two um, approach from what we did two weeks ago. And so Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says this, Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight 
and, and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now I'm going to stop there before I go into verse 2. A couple of things that we talked about two weeks ago. Anytime you see a therefore in Scripture, you should ask yourself, what's it? Therefore. Thank you. Good job, Dustin. All right. He was paying attention two weeks ago. Nobody else was. That's okay. So whenever you see a therefore, you should ask, what's it there for? Because that's a connecting word. So, so the writer of Hebrews is making a conclusion about what he just said previously. And in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it's kind of like what we call the faith hall of fame. And there's a bunch of men and women who are listed there. And, and their lives are set up as an example for us about the way they lived in obedience to God by faith. And so as a conclusion to this idea of these people who have set an example for us according to their faith and how they live their lives, he says, therefore, because of this, because of those individuals that we've seen, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, these are these examples that he's just talked about. Um, These witnesses to us based on what life should be like. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So two weeks ago, this is where we landed, and where most of our focus was. And we talked about two things. This, there's two ideas that are causing this church trouble. And I think it would be appropriate to say they probably cause us trouble as well today. And he says this, lay aside every weight and sin. Now, According to the Bible, sin is when you and I fall short of God's standards for our lives. So maybe God explicitly commands us to do something and we fail to do it. Or maybe God has explicitly prohibit us, prohibited us from doing something, yet we still do it. Um, maybe there's, there's just an, an idea of the character of God and that we're supposed to model and emulate in our lives, yet we fail to do it. And so those are sins which are outright um, breaks from God's desire and plan for us. And then the, the writer here of Hebrews talks about lay aside every weight. And we spent most of our time two weeks ago talking about these weights. These things that may not be outright wrong. A lot of times when we talk about sin, it's, it's somewhat easy for us to identify at least the big ones. You know, you shouldn't murder, um, you shouldn't steal, those kind of things. And so, of course, those big ones will distract us from what God is calling us to. But it's these weights that are maybe even more dangerous to us because we don't recognize them. And so we kind of gave some examples about, um, you know, maybe for, for me, and we talked about this two weeks ago, like TV is mine. Like that's, that's a weight for me because it's so easy for me to get distracted and wrapped up in it. It's so easy for me to waste three hours watching stuff that has no point or meaning whatsoever. Um, that my life would be just as good if I never watched it. Um, but it's these shows that are interesting and a lot of the reality shows um, or Walking Dead. That's kind of like my... That's kind of one of my, oh, I just love that show. It's weird because I don't like zombie stuff, but I love that show. Um, right? So it's those kind of things that aren't necessarily wrong. And I'm telling you, The Walking Dead is not wrong. But it's these things that aren't explicitly, oh, you can't do this. 
But it's, it's these weights that weigh us down and distract us from accomplishing all that God wants us to, from me being the husband that God has called me to be, or the father that God has called me to be, or the follower of Christ that God has called me to be. And for you, it may not be TV at all. Maybe it's Facebook or something like that that distracts you and pulls you away. Or, or maybe there are people in your life that, that drag you down or that distract you because we've got a race that we're running. The author here says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. All of us are on a spiritual journey leading towards becoming more and more like Christ and how we think, how we act, how we feel, how we respond, and in who we are. And it's these weights and sins that, that get us off course. Just like this church who is starting to settle, starting to compromise. They've kind of lost their excitement, lost their passion. And the author here is trying to help them reignite it and encouraging them to throw off those things that are hurting their walk, that are hurting their spiritual journey and becoming more like Christ. And so we spent most of our time two weeks ago talking about these sins and specifically talking about these weights. And now what I want us to do is I want us to look a little bit further in this verse. So um, I'm going to reread verse 1, and then we're going to jump on to verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So here's our goal. Running this race of endurance. Verse 2, looking to Jesus. Jesus is our goal. Jesus is where our eyes are set in order to win the prize. It's Jesus that gives our life meaning and purpose. It's Jesus that makes it worth laying aside those distractions or those sins. It's Jesus who we're pursuing and trying to become more and more like in every aspect of our lives. Verse 2, looking to Jesus. Just as chapter 11 was all about these men and women with great faith. It was faith in Christ. Not themselves. Not in a 7-step, 12-step process or program but in Christ, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. So here's what He's just done. First of all, our focus is to be Jesus, looking to Jesus. So if we're going to cast aside these sins, if we're going to cast aside these weights that that are distracting us and pulling us down, it's got to be by us looking to Jesus. That's what enables us to do it. And here's what He's going to do. He's going to set Jesus up as an example for how to do this. Looking to Jesus, he's going to define a little bit more about who Jesus is, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Remember, he just spent all of chapter 11 talking about faith. And now we understand that it's Jesus who's the foundation and the builder of our faith. And then here's here's where he's going to set up an example for us. I love this. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. 
Just as you and I are on a journey, and it's Christ and His character and His life and His example that are set before us, for Jesus it was the joy set before Him that led Him to endure the cross. Now I want you to see something powerful about this statement and this whole moment of Jesus enduring the cross. We're going to jump over to Mark chapter 14. You can turn your Bibles if you'd like, or it'll be up here on the screen for us. And so Mark 14 is leading up to the final moments before the crucifixion of Jesus, just before he goes to the cross. And so I'll explain a little bit. He's just had dinner with his disciples, um, which we celebrate and remember when we do communion or the Last Supper or the Eucharist, depending on what tradition you come from and what you call it. Um, so they just finished um, having a final meal together. They, it, the Bible tells us that they sang some hymns together in, some, in worship. And then Jesus is going to lead them to a place. And, and this, is, this is powerful. So verse 32 of Mark chapter 14. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. Um, so the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, so if you are familiar at all with the city of Jerusalem... Um, on the east side of Jerusalem is a hill. And that hill is called the Mount of Olives. You're going to encounter that a lot in the Bible. There's a lot of significant events and moments that take place on the Mount of Olives. Um, and as you can imagine, it's an olive orchard or grove. Um, and there's a, uh, there's a, a oil press right there at the base of the mountain. And also, there's this beautiful garden at the base of the Mount of Olives on the east side of Jerusalem. So this is where the Garden of Gethsemane is. So Jesus has just led his disciples outside of the city gates. And they're heading to this beautiful scenery. So they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John. And he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch from the other gospel accounts of this moment. Not only does he tell them to watch, but he asks them to pray with him. So realize what Jesus has just said. So he's just asked his disciples, I want you to sit here with me. I want you to watch. I want you to pray with me. He pulls um, Peter, James, and John, which are kind of his inner core, his inner circle. And, and he, he gives them this little confession. And he, and he says... My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Depending on what translation of, of the Bible, it may say, and my soul is perplexed, even to the point of death. Will you sit here and watch and pray with me? And then Jesus walks just a few, a few meters beyond. And the Bible tells us he falls to his face. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke, who is a physician by trade, tells us that when Jesus falls on his face, he begins sweating drops of blood, which is an actual medical condition called hematidrosis, when the pressure builds up in your body. Just like when you experience a stress headache, because the, the pressure in your body begins to build, that the pressure can become so great that the capillaries begin to burst and start to mix in with your sweat glands under such great and terrible distress. And so Luke, a physician, tells us that Jesus begins to sweat 
drops of blood as he falls to his face. And then beginning in verse 35, Dustin, if you'll jump to the next one. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. I want you to think about the weight of the moment. About what's just taken place. About Jesus' just confession to His inner circle. About my soul is so overwhelmed, so sorrowful, so perplexed, that I'm even feeling to the point of death. He falls on his face and begins sweating blood because under the distress that he's facing, his capillaries are literally bursting within his body. And then he prays, Abba, Father, all things are possible for, for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Just before that, Mark gives us a synopsis of what's about to happen when he says, Um, And he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. This idea of the hour is really popular in the Gospels about Jesus talking about himself. When Jesus performs his very first public miracle, um, which was the changing of water to wine, um, many of us are familiar with that story, at least the concept, if nothing else. At the first moment that he was approached at this wedding, and, and actually it was his mom who came to him and said, we're, we're out of wine. His first response was, my hour has not yet come. Now that seems strange. But this becomes a recurring theme for Jesus. As Jesus is approaching the city of Jerusalem, just a few days before all of this is taking place, His disciples are worried because they know if He enters into the city gates of Jerusalem that the religious leaders who have been hunting Him are going to capture him and kill him. And Jesus basically tells his disciples, I must because my hour has come. Mark tells us, if, if, if Jesus is praying, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him at that point, knowing what's about to take place. We spent seven weeks talking about the crucifixion leading up to, to Easter. We talked about some pretty brutal details. The, the reality is what you and I think of crucifixion is, uh, is a sanitized, Cloroxed version of what actually took place within the first century Roman Empire. It was disgusting and brutal. Jesus and His disciples themselves had seen individuals crucified on a cross. Jesus knew the hour He was approaching. And in the midst of it, he says, Father, if it's possible, can this cup be taken from me? If there's any other way to do this, if there's any other way to atone for people's sins, if there's any other way to restore the relationship, let's do it that way. But not what I will, what you will. Dustin, will you jump back to Hebrews chapter 12? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before Him, endured the cross. 
there were two realities that Jesus faced. The painful, excruciating experience of the crucifixion. And by taking sin upon Himself to pay for our sin on the cross, the separation that would come between Him and His Father in heaven versus the joy set before Him of knowing what it would mean to reconcile you and I back to our Creator. To enable us to become who we were created and designed and intended to be. To give us an opportunity to fulfill the role God has for us. The Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians says it this way, um, that Jesus humbled Himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And it says this in chapter 2, so that at the name of Jesus, excuse me, so it says, so because of that, God gave Him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So it was the pain and the separation and the torture versus the joy. And in the end, because of the joy that was set before Him, He chose to endure the cross. Despising the shame that it would bring upon Him. And is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Because of the joy set before Him, He endured the pain. He endured the shame. He endured the excruciating moment of the cross and the separation from His Father because of the joy. The author of Hebrews wants us to see this example of Jesus as our example for how we are supposed to lay aside every weight and sin which drags us down, which distracts us from all that we can be, from from those things that pull us away from the passion that we once had. And that to do that, to get back on this endurance race, to accomplish what we're, we've originally set out to accomplish, to do what God wants us to do, to be who God has intended us to be, we begin by looking to Jesus and His example. That though He was faced with two terrible between two decisions, trying to make this terrible choice between the two, he said, I'll choose the joy and endure the pain. And the writer wants us to do the same. That's how you and I stay on this journey. That's how you and I one day cross the finish line. So that we can say like the Apostle Paul at the end of his life, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I endured. Romans chapter 5. This is how we're going to close today. This is one of many examples throughout the Bible of of scriptures that give us hope. That, that, That kind of put the joy out in front of us to see and to taste so that we know where we're going, we know what we're trying to to accomplish to help us make these difficult decisions. And then it says this, Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out, poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The reason you and I are willing to lay aside weights and sins that weigh us and carry us down and, and distract us, just from Romans 5, it's, it's the idea of this peace. That by, by pursuing Christ, we find peace in this life. Another thing he says in verse 2, that because of, of what Christ has done, we've a, a, obtained access by faith to God, our Creator. That we have access to grace. God's unmerited favor. And here Paul says, in which we stand. We don't cower. We stand proudly and boldly in who God has called us to be, knowing that it's always worth it. That any pain that we endure... That any, that any distractions or weights or sins that we fight through to lay aside, it's all worth it. Because we have the opportunity to stand in God's grace. Verse, verse 2 still, that we rejoice in the hope. That God's given us hope. Verse 3, more than that, we rejoice in our suffering. The, earlier we read in, in Hebrews that it was for the joy set before Christ. Here, this idea in verse 3 that we rejoice. Rejoicing is just the verb form of joy. But for the joy set before us that we're going to choose to rejoice in our sufferings, in the pain that we endure, in the difficulties that we face when we lay aside these sins and weights, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. This is how we put aside those weights and those sins. By looking to Christ, knowing what He's done for us as our example, and knowing that there are great rewards for those who continue to pursue this endurance race of following after God. Jesus had two decisions, two, two realities facing Him. The joy and the pain. And in order to attain the joy, he had to endure the pain. It would be naive of you and I to think that it's going to be simple or painless to get rid of those sins and weights in our lives that weigh us down. Now here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that nobody in here, like we should all get rid of our TVs, we should all get rid of our computers and our phones and Facebook. And that's not the point of this. So the, the reality is everybody's going to have different struggles. There'll be different things that weigh you down or distract you. And in order to be who God has called us to be and to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish, there's going to be pain associated with laying those things aside. 
It'd be naive of us to think that weren't true or to, to ignore that reality. But it's for the joy set before us. Just like for Christ, it was the joy set before Him that gives us the boldness and the confidence to move forward. To set those things aside. Looking to Jesus so that we can move forward to bigger, better, brighter days. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for who you are, what you're doing in this place. God, I I pray that you would do a couple things in this moment for us. I think I pray that you would give us the honesty to recognize those things that are a distraction. Things that pull us away from being the husband or the wife that you've called us to be, from being the father or the mother you've called us to be, from being the, the worker that you've called us to be, from being the follower of Christ the example setter, the room changer that you've called us to be? Would you give us the honesty to see clearly? Lord, would you also give us the courage to take that step, to lay them aside? knowing that what you offer is far greater than anything this world can offer us. Knowing that the pain of doing this is far outweighed by the joy we experience in you. And God, would you help us to find our total joy and our complete satisfaction in you. I want you to keep your eyes closed for just a moment, if you will. There comes certain key moments in our lives. Certain benchmarks that we, we look back on and, and we can identify from this point on, my life was different. Maybe it was when you met your spouse or when you married your spouse. Maybe it was when your, your first child was born would be one of them. Maybe, um, Maybe some of them are not even always positive, but you can look back at certain moments in your life and go, that changed me. That I've been different ever since. And that also happens in our spiritual lives. And we look back and we go, that was a defining moment for me. That, that was one that could have been a defining moment, but I didn't, I didn't step up to the plate. I didn't live up to the task. And maybe for you, Today, this moment is one of those benchmarks. God's speaking to you. And you know that there are things that you need to lay aside so that you can pursue Him more fully. And right now, in this moment, is that decision-making time. Will you do it? Will Jesus be enough for you? Will finding your complete and total satisfaction and joy in Him be worth the challenge and the pain that will come from laying aside these distractions or sins that trip you up? Maybe today, for you, the challenge isn't one particular sin, 
but it's just a lifestyle and a life of sin. Maybe you've never thought of Jesus as worth giving it up. Maybe until today you've never seen Jesus as the real true fulfiller of your joy and satisfaction. Maybe today, after reflecting about what He endured on the cross, about His decision to choose and to pursue the joy, the joy of loving you, the joy of reconciling you back to Himself, that today you recognize it's time to give your life to Him. The Bible says that if you believe that Jesus not just died on the cross, but rose from the dead to prove that He Himself was God. And if you'll confess with your mouth that He's the Lord of your life, the Bible says that you'll be saved, that, that, that Jesus can take that place in your life. And that process will begin, that He'll become your total joy and satisfaction. Maybe you need to do that today. Man, that would be my challenge to you. Give Him your life, all of it. Pursue Him because He's worth it. God, continue to do what only you can do. Continue to challenge and to change each one of us. Transform our hearts and our minds. Continue to to move and be felt and known in this place.